Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, Martha and I just got back from the 2016 Cruiserweight or Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I Work For Him. We haven't done that commercial in a long time. I like that when I said that. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of fun, didn't we, baby? We did. It was amazing. And Martha's voice is hoarse from screaming and yelling so much on the dance no, floor every night. No, it's not. No, we didn't make it to the dance. We didn't. Did we, da- we danced a little. Well, 80s. We were enjoying the 80s music. (laughs) I guess we're old because all of the songs, the 80s hits, we knew all of them. We did. Sorry, Mom and Dad. We did listen to the words. It wasn't just the music. Uh, But we did have a great time. Just got back, and we're already preparing the dates for next year, and next year's going to sell out. So you're going to want to just start... Paying attention to what's going on on iWorkForHim.com. We'll have a date here. I'm guessing we'll hear from Dr. Rick Saltarelli here pretty quick about our date. He's a doctor now? Yes, I call him Dr. The doctor Doctor, of cruise planning. Doctor of cruise planning. He's a travel specialist, too. That's right. That's right. So, But we had a fantastic weekend with 17 couples Mm -hmm. talking about topics that they needed to talk about in order to make their marriage stronger. None of these couples were their marriages a mess. They just all recognize the fact that they wanted to work on things. And so they did. And it was a fantastic trip to Cozumel and back in the day in Cozumel. Man, was it nice in Cozumel. It was beautiful. The water was blue. It was about 80 degrees outside. There is nothing bluer than the water there. That's I told some people, I said, that's why my house, everything is a, a shade of blue and aqua. Because 
man, that's just so pretty. It was so nice. Now, on going down, the waves were beautiful. 10-foot waves, maybe. Was they rocked a little? Not a lot. Certainly not as bad as 125-mile-an-hour winds and 30-foot waves that that one ship had to face coming out of New York mm-hmm. City in that winter storm. It was very nice. The ship, the brilliance of the seas, what a great ship that is. Uh, and the whole staff at Royal Caribbean. In fact, we like to say hats off to Anne-Marie. We know she's not listening because I'm sure the boat's already gone. But <laughs> Anne-Marie did a great job serving us every night. I think one of the highlights... She scored you extra... Prime rib. Yes. So she got on your steak steak every night. That's right. And and I and I stepped on a scale this morning. I did. Oh, you did. I did. How very brave. Nope. No problem. Pound and a half. Wow. I'll have to do that. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 I don't know how. Only a pound and a half. Maybe that's because we only ate two real meals yesterday <laughs> but it was it was pretty good mm-hmm. all right but i think the highlight just so you know when we talk about this cruise marriage cruise this is not one of those you know cost you ten thousand dollars for the week and we try to make it as reasonably priced as possible so that couples any couple can come that is willing to dedicate a weekend to their marriage and one of the highlights is our dinner time and we'll talk about our dinner time now as we're headed up to the break and then we'll br- uh, jump into communication but martha talk about what we do at dinner time Well, as anybody who has ever cruised before knows that you get kind of an assigned seat and you are expected to sit in that seat for the remainder of the cruise at dinner. It's kind of like getting a dorm room assigned to you when you go to college. You You have no idea who you're going to end up with. And we work with the staff to mix that up a little bit. And every night um, I rearrange the seating and allow the couples to be placed by other couples that they haven't sat by yet. And it just, it spurs such great conversation. We have so much fun. Every single night we close down the the dining room and our wonderful, gracious staff let us just have an enjoyable time, but we weren't being, you know, rambunctious or anything. We were just having a great time. And they noted that and they commented on it. And it just really helped to build relationships and talk about what we talked about during the day or just get to know each other as couples and really really made the trip that much more special. It was a lot of fun. What a great weekend. You know, and all along during the weekend, we kept reminding people what we remind you, our listeners, every day. In order for the marriages to be successful, they have to do the Romans 12-2 thing. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. If you want your marriage to be awesome, Christ has to be at the center. And if you want Christ to be at the center, your marriage can't look like everybody else's marriage because most marriages don't have Christ at the center. And most marriages, the husband's more worried about the wife's issues and the wife's more worried about the husband's issues. In a Christ-centered marriage, you're worried about your own issues and working on chasing the Lord and becoming more Christ-like. And that's what makes a difference. And that's what we talk about all weekend long. Yeah. So um, one of the things I just want to encourage our listeners with is for those of you that didn't get to enjoy that weekend away with us. Um, We are going to be highlighting some of the things that we talked about, but then more than that, just want to encourage you. It's never too late to invest in your marriage and to just build it and be stronger. That's right. And there'll be lots of opportunities every Tuesday for the next year. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha about marriage and relationship issues. So if you can't go on the cruise, you can always join us here. We did six sessions on the cruise and lots of individual conversations, and we're going to just give a little highlight about what we talk about so you can see why you and your spouse should get involved next year. Husbands and wives have had their lives irrevocably changed by the miraculous work of God over a weekend where there's no cell phones and no internet and no children. Except for other people's children that are on the cruise ship. There weren't very many. I saw like five. uh, Yeah, not very many at all. Which was nice. 
<laughs> because of the whole point that we were getting away, right. and that was less distracting for the other parents. We saw, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> Are you speechless? Well, I was just going to say we saw a lot of distracting things, but I didn't want to say that. And I was gonna say, now we, you said we, it. Now we, and there was, we saw a lot of people plastered out of their mind, making fools of themselves, but I didn't want to say that either. Yeah. But it's okay. You know what? You can't expect non-Christ followers to act like Christ followers. That's very true. So why would you have that expectation? You just feel bad for people because those videos are probably all on YouTube by now. All right. So communication. We've invited a couple of our guests from this weekend to call into the show, which we think they will sometime in the next half hour or so. Start dialing your phones there, buddies. 877-943-9673. If you went on our cruise this weekend, we'd love to hear what you learned about communication. 877-943-9673. 877-943-9673. Okay, let's start off. You got that. You got it? Yes. Do you think anybody's going to call in? Yes, I do. I believe it. You really do? I do. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things, we, we open up the communication session with a song by Johnny Diaz. That was an awesome song. I think the song is called I Got Her. Thank God I Got Her. Or something like that. But it starts off with nine. I got nine fancy pillows on my bed. <laughs> And then goes on to talk about, I mean, it just it goes on and on and on. But it just trying to understand his wife. It's like, I don't I, I don't get her, but thank God I got her. And that's how we opened up that session. Talking about communication, uh, you know, it's such an important thing. But, you know, bottom, let's just bottom line it. For those people that can only listen to us for 10 or 15 minutes, Martha, what's the bottom line of communication? What do we tell every couple? Um, that we need to do it and that it requires intentionality because our lives don't um, naturally have margin for conversation that goes beyond the schedule and the menu and work and things like that. We have to be very intentional. When we were dating, we, we couldn't talk enough. And once we get married, um, for some reason, we think that's just going to um, keep our marriage strong without having more conversation. And it doesn't work that way. So being intentional about the communication. And I loved the very thing that you started out, the whole um, conversation with after the video, of course, because we had great videos, by the way. You did a fabulous job of finding wonderful things. Oh. But it's that you asked the question, does all communication with your spouse glorify the Lord? Does everything you guys talk about, every way you respond, does every way you interact bring glory to the Lord? And that's a pretty convicting question to start off the conversation with because, <laughs> um, you know, we are all human and we all have short fuses at times or just don't um, choose our words very carefully. And so that right there in a nutshell was like a very good litmus test for, you know, my communication needs to improve with my spouse. You know, the bottom line in our society today, people think texting is communicating. People think hand gestures are communicating. People think that sending emails is communicating. But what we're talking about, the kind of communication we're talking about, we're talking about the face-to-face -face conversation because the husband and wife need face-to-face -face conversation. Just like in the workplace, you shouldn't, if you need to talk to somebody about something serious, you shouldn't text them and you shouldn't send an email to them. You need to have face-to-face -face because communication involves all different kinds of body movements and just uh, facial expressions as well as words, but also the uh, intonation of words most I mean, definitely. I mean, all of those things really play. And you can't read that. So you can read all kinds of garbage into an email. 
<laughs> Stuff that's not there, you mean? Yes. I have never been guilty of that, however. And I've never sent an email where people read into those things either. Really? But I know some people that have. <laughs> Same thing with texting. You're dreaming. I know. I know. It's just the most horrible thing. If you're emotional, never send an email. Absolutely the stupidest thing you can do. And even duct tape. Can't fix stupid. All right. So we asked that question. Does all of the, your communication with your spouse glorify the Lord? And the answer is a resounding no. So when we talked about. No, first, but it should. It should. That should be a goal. But, it, that but should be we a, were asking people to be honest. Right. And, it, and the answer was no. Correct. Right, we have a caller. I wonder if it's one of our magical callers. <gasps> Yay. All right. So First Peter 4.11 says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it, it, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Everything we're supposed to be, that we do is supposed to be glorifying to God. Right. So it, that's what we're that's what we talked about. So we just got we got into the conversation that way. All right. So then we said, does everything you say to your spouse build your spouse up? Yeah, that answer is a negatory, I'm sure. All right, we have Joel Atkinson. Joel Atkinson was what he and his wife Jen joined us on the cruise this weekend. They are they have gone to every marriage cruise we've done. Joel Atkinson, welcome to I Work for Him. Hey Jim, how are you? Well, we're doing great. So thank thanks for calling in, being brave. I appreciate it. Uh, so talk to me about first of all, what, what's the name of your business? Let's give give a business plug out there. What, what's the name of the business that you own? Commercial maintenance services. That's right. So commercial landscaping and uh, lawn maintenance, correct? Yes. All right. So if anybody needs a great commercial landscaper or lawn maintenance, you got to call Joel Atkinson, my friend, at uh, commercial Only maintenance. Only your service. friend? Well, no, so? he's everybody's friend. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> now he's on the air talking. Uh, <laughs> and I got to tell you that it was Martha's plea right now that she was faithful that somebody was going to call in that made me file those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. Thank All you. All right. So we talked about communication in our first session on Friday morning. Talk to me about right. what you learned about communication this weekend. Well, I think one of the, uh, the biggest points that I picked up was that I need to seek to understand what Jennifer's saying or trying to communicate before I try to be understood. Ooh, that's powerful. So what do you, what, uh, can you give an example? Well, you know, oftentimes when Jennifer and I are uh, talking about things, you know, she tells me, communicates something to me, and then I'm immediately responding with my viewpoints rather than really trying to extrapolate what she's saying in that. Got it. And, and what we talked about was reflective listening, which was, so what you're saying, here's what I hear you're saying. Is this what you're really saying? We, 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 we directed husbands and wives to ask their spouse that question. Is this, this is what I heard. Is this what you were saying? And sometimes that can be dangerous, but it's certainly something I'm going to work on. <laughs> trying to recite back, I think this is what I heard you say. And she'd be like, I wasn't even talking about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but at least you put it out there. Well, I appreciate you being willing to call in. It was it was a great weekend. We sure appreciate your guys' support. And I just wanted people to hear from somebody that was there that, uh, that what what they learned about communication. Joel, one last question. I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask this one, but it's not going to put you too much on the spot. What was your favorite part about the weekend? Other than getting to hang with you and Martha, um, it, it was probably just having some free time to digest some of these things and 
talk with Jen about it in a relaxed setting. Mm. That's cool. All right. Joel Atkinson with Commercial Maintenance Services and a good friend and a member of the 2016 Cruiserweight Better Marriage Retreat. Padre of people that went along. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in, Joel. Have a great day. Thanks for calling. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. You know, and that was what we really focused on with people, just getting people to listen. Be quick to listen. Most of us are quick to speak. We're slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to become angry. We talked about what James had to say. Be quick to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Yeah, and you know, I just wanted to kind of um, piggyback on something that Joel said is the fact that um, if you heard what he said, he said there was free time to digest what we talked about in our sessions. And you and I always wrestle with how much is enough time. We don't want to monopolize people's time. We want to make sure there's plenty of time for them to just have together or with other people as they may choose. And um, I think we heard resounding from all of the couples that this is an opportunity to really, you know, a lot of times you go and you hear a sermon and you never go home and talk about it. And we try to create an atmosphere where that can happen, where we have interaction, conversation, and then go talk about it. Let's try to make this a part of your life. And um, I love hearing that that was really good for them. Yeah, and we we wrestle with the schedule every year. Mm-hmm. And as we, we talk do. about communication, you and I communicate back and forth, what do we think is best? And this year we try to start a little later and get done a little earlier so people would have more free time to be able to sleep in because most of them have little kids. And so I don't think we perfected it because one of the comments we got is that we didn't get enough time over lunch to talk about what we were talking about. So we're going to make we're going to make some changes Always for next sleeping. year's cruise. These topics that we talk about on the cruise are the topics that we see most couples struggling with as they try to mature and fine-tune and make awesome their marriage. But we don't want you to feel bad that you didn't get to go because there's always next year's cruise, 2017, and we're pretty soon going to start booking the 2018 one, which just freaks me out. (laughs) It's so funny because we are not a family that plans vacations very far in advance in in the past. And now having to pick dates and things like that, it's a it's a stretch. 54 weeks of preparation for this year's cruise. <laughs> that was unbelievable. And pay, 54 weeks of patience for it to come. Yes, and now it's gone. Martha's biggest point is like, it took forever to get here? No, we were already it's getting over. off the ship. Oh. <laughs> but we have such a good time just getting to know couples. And we had couples from all over Florida. Most of them Tampa Bay, but the farthest away couple came from Titusville. But then a lot of people from all over Tampa Bay, multiple churches. And, uh, you know, you don't have to go to church. You do have to be a husband and wife couple that really wants to work in your marriage. That's what the requirements are. And uh, it's just really a lot of fun. And you get a way to really work on stuff. So communication is one of those things. So what we talked about was the five principles to, that are just great tools for good marriage communication. So let's talk about the first one as we head into the bottom of the half hour. The principle of the first response. Mm, this is great. It says, the course of a conflict is not determined by the person who initiates, but by the person who responds. Which, you know, it's just so true. It's just embarrassing. It it's I mean, embarrassing. I mean, there can true. be there can be wrongly initiated conversation, but it's really what you do with it. It's really how you react. Are you going to let that um, cause a huge rift? Are you or are you going to handle it <laughs> maturely and respond in a way that just you know gr- makes you grow? So, for instance, for instance, this morning during quiet time. <laughs> I was reading my Bible, doing a little prayer time, and Martha comes in. Martha's like a 
Energizer Bunny in the morning. She came into the office where I'm doing my quiet time, and I don't know, she found the noisiest bag in the world <laughs> to play with. And and I kind of said to her, instead of saying, honey, you're making a lot of noise. Could you quiet down? I'm trying to do my prayer time. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> so at that point in time, Martha had to exercise the principle of the first response. Mm, yeah, what did I say? I'm sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> I really was oblivious. I usually am trying to be so cautious and quiet. It was like a Doritos bag no, on I'll tell a you, microphone. I'll tell you what it was. I know it what was it was. It was the chocolate. leftover chocolates from the cruise that didn't make it into the goodie bags. And, and yes, where are everybody, those chocolates? I chose to leave them at home this morning. They're Ace would have liked it. some of those. They're Look at Ace. He's going, chocolate, chocolate. There's chocolate around they're, somewhere. They're going to make hey, it to my office. We know where Mr. Bunkley's chocolate is. <laughs> yeah, you've talked about that. That's right. Okay, so, yes. Um, so, but the principle of the first response, we use the example of Jesus. Recall all the times that the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious jerks, they came and confronted Jesus. They were initiators in nearly all the communication their intention was to defraud Jesus or to corner him. Mm-hmm. And, and how many cases were they successful in doing so? Never. Zero. That's right. They failed because the power to decide the direction of each conflict rested with Jesus because he had the opportunity to exercise the principle of first response. And of course, because he's perfect, he is a very good example of that. Well, you're close. You did very good this morning. Oh, I felt really bad. Did you think about that? The principles were you thinking about the principles of first response when you responded this morning? Um, I might have been thinking about the concept. I didn't sit there and go, "I'm going to practice the principle of first response." No, I did not think that. All right, a great Bible example is from Luke 20 verses 20 through 26. Watching for their opportunity, the leader sent spies pretending to be honest men. Hmm. You know how good that goes over. They tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor, so he would arrest Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. That's the old Eddie Haskell method. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their trickery and said, show me a Roman coin. Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answer and they became silenced. Silenced. (laughs) So, but the point of that one is Jesus responded Mm and didn't respond to their nastiness because anybody that reads that scripture and go, oh, they're using the Eddie Haskell method. Let's just butter people up. And, and say a bunch of stuff that you don't really mean. That's what he always did to Mrs. Cleaver. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look at Leave It to Beaver replays out there on classic. Netflix. And, and he always responded. And they, these creepy people that were dishonest people trying to be looking like they were honest, they were amazed by his answer. And they became silent. Yes, and they I think did. that's really key because, you know, even when you and I are talking and we say something wise or powerful to each other, you know, it makes you pause and you go, oh, okay. You know, and that's that's how I see this happening where they were like, that wasn't what we were thinking about, but wow, that was really good. And I need to think about that. So powerful having that kind of response. He's sitting here with a quiet look on his face. <laughs> He's talking about I need to be quiet and respond when you see Not really when you're profound on the radio, things. No oh, dead time. No dead time? 
No, no, dead air. Dead air time. Dead air, oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, okay. All right. All right. So the bottom line is the course of a conflict is not determined by the person who initiates, but the, by the person who responds. In other words, you can be stupid and say something stupid, but the person who responds has the choice on how to turn that conversation into something productive. You know, and I always like to think on that is that um, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. And this is an area where that can truly be shown as but, a fruit of the but, spirit. But, but why is self-control the last on the list? Maybe we need to remember it. I don't know. As I pray through those fruits of the spirit every day, I get to self-control. I'm like, but that's the one I need, you know, to so, work on all the time. It should be so first. it should be the most fresh on your so mind. It shouldn't, just it's be, not it about... shouldn't be love. It should be oh. self-control, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, okay, gentleness, well, faithfulness. Okay. I know that Paul was just listening. So off, if it but, was all on a bracelet, what's at the beginning would be at the end, and the end would be, you know, you it doesn't. Speaking of bracelets, it really doesn't matter. Am I going to get that tattoo? I looked at that place in Mexico and thought that I, that tattoo shop on Cosmo, <laughs> like you get the WWJD. No, I think thing. we'll do it here in America. Okay. if you get a tattoo, we did have an amazing, <laughs> amazing meal when we were there, and we the did. chocolate, very good. The chocolate was very good. We did. Right, so we did. So the principle number two is the mm. principle of physical touch. This one's quick and simple, but powerful. Uh, it's it, it basically it's saying it's difficult to sin against somebody when you're tenderly touching him or her. And we had some great conversation about this with some of the couples because the whole point was if you're having a heated argument and you reach out and you put your hand on the other person's forearm or whatever and just are causing contact, it's really hard to be mad. In that moment or to be angry because of just the way God created us for closeness. So it um, if we if you want to deflect or, or, or calm down the conversation in yourself or your spouse, uh, reach out and touch someone just like that old telephone commercial. <laughs> and when I was. People don't even know what telephone, landline <laughs> yeah. telephones Yes, are. they do. Not everybody that's listening is under 20. Yeah, there's a read the book segment. Ace, Ace is saying, hey, weren't you guys going to do a book segment? We, we will right after the bottom of the half hour because we're running out of time. Can't wait. But you know, when your conversation begins to drift towards conflict, you stop touching. Just think about that. I, I, I've seen it. Martha and I are talking. Maybe we have a little, she says something, maybe hurts my feelings. And I'm like, we're holding hands. I stop holding hands. Like, Shh, I don't want to touch. I, don't I mean, it's true. And when I was studying this, I'm just laughing going, wow, I never thought about it. Who thinks of this stuff and writes it down? I mean, people that are really observant and are good writers. Because none of this stuff is our original material. I find all this stuff. People I, that study this for a living. That's their What a job. job. I'd rather that's teach awesome. it. I'd rather teach it than study it. Well, we're thankful that they do it, though, because that's then right. we have good resources. It is very difficult to fight with someone you are tenderly touching. Mm. Number one, the principle of the first response. Number two, the principle of physical touch. It is difficult to sin against someone while you're tenderly touching him, sitting close enough while you naturally touch. All right, we're talking about the five principles of great communication, and I wanted to give credit to where we got this information. And uh, while I'm looking that up, because it was an article that I found on the Internet, which is where I find great stuff all the time, and I'm just going to keep talking before I can find it. I don't remember the name. I didn't of... see where this had the credits. So it does. It to... does have the. It does have the credits out there. I, I know. I do. Why don't you just talk about the third one? While okay, I'm, I'm going to talk about the third one because it is the principle of proper timing. And um, really, this is something that we talk about with couples. And it's funny how often this has never been part of a conversation. And the conversation is simply this: When is the best time to have this serious conversation? Is it? As you, so many of our listeners know, Jim is 
kind of gets cranky at the end of the night if he's had a long day. What are you talking day. about? Why are you saying that on the air? <laughs> because it's I just... actually have like, you know when you hear a, when somebody powers down a generator and it goes... <laughs> that's what I do. Sometime around 8.59, it's like... <laughs> or you let out the air out of a big balloon. Like those punching ball balloons. That's right. So, but this is based on an article... Five communication tools that saved my marriage by Rob Flood, and he's with Family Life. Mm, family Life has great resources. Yes, familylife.com. That's right. You can find them online at familylife.com. All right. So, the principle of proper timing the success of a conversation can be maximized if the timing of the conversation is carefully chosen, which you already said. But so often we tell couples, you need to plan time to talk every day right. when the kids are gone or in bed and you're not tired or hangry. Yes. Those are all very important keys, if at all possible. So being able to um, restrict some time, especially for those hard conversations. Maybe something came up that bothered you yesterday or this morning when you were getting ready for the day, and you just really need to talk about it. You need to have a time where you've said, you know what, this is this is a good time. This is Now, it's not always perfect. Life gets in the way. There are days where we have a bad day and ad- having added some other thing on top of it we may we need to be careful with our responses well maybe we should help people understand what a bad time looks like um when the kids are screaming and yelling when the tv is blaring when uh, somebody's working on a, a project that's got a deadline those are bad times when people are already angry that's a bad time you need to approach when don't start a serious conversation when people are already frustrated or tired well, and I think that's one of the keys here is that sometimes we are we can be in a tough conversation and that makes us want to bring up more things. Like you feel like that might be a safe time because you're already mad at each other. You can that's already, a really bad As long bad as the bucket idea. is out there, let's just fill it up with vomit. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. We'd like to thank Alan from Clearwater for calling in today and winning the copy of the book, The Listening Life. Alan, thanks so much for listening to our work for him. We're hoping that something we say today helps you challenge you and your relationships to be a better listener and do better job communicating. We'll get this book out to you here in the next week or so. Can I interject something? No. You know, okay, we got to move on to the next <laughs> Bad timing, Jim. No, no I'm just you're kidding. You're the one that asked. Remember you know, when you ask a question and the answer is a possible yes or no. That's true. You have there, to be prepared for both. There, that's true. Okay. I would like to interject something now. That was better than I'm not even asking the question. So just a, just a reminder, because we often try to take these same relational concepts and give and transfer them back to the workplace and how we can incorporate these at work. And these apply with our coworkers and employees as well. So having, you know, good timing, don't bring up um, that you're going to fire somebody two minutes before they're supposed to walk out the door at the end of the day, unless that's the appropriate time. But, you know, making sure that you are timing things properly, that you are um, responding to things well in the workplace as well um, helps with the conflict and the communication between employees. Yes, and that applies to principle number one, the principle of first response, that the course of conflict is not determined by the person who initiates, but the person who responds. That one applies in a workplace, but the principle of physical touch does not. Um, Not in that sense, but it's a lot easier to be mad at somebody if you're in different parts of the building and talking on the phone as opposed to face-to-face. Right. So I believe there's a proximity value there that is true because human... Human people, humankind people, we, when we're close to somebody in proximity in a, at a conference table, we are a lot more careful about what we say than when if we were on the phone on the other side of the country. I, I truly believe that. Oh, I agree. 
So I believe that that does relate. Yes, of course, we always, you know, encourage appropriate action in the workplace. Appropriate physical touch. That's correct. Mm -hmm. All right. So the fourth principle, the principle of mirroring. Understanding can be enhanced if we measure it often through throughout a conversation. All right. Here's what we're saying. If we're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, we need to interject through the conversation, certainly when our wives are downloading and when our husbands are downloading, but most of the time it's when our wives are downloading. Is this what you're saying, dear? Is this what you really mean? Is this what I'm hearing? Can you just clarify that for me? Uh, what do you mean by that? So that not, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, what no, do, that what does. do you mean by that? Help me understand. Those are important interjectors so that you, and, and I recommend write it down. If you're sitting there having a conversation, write it down. Write it down. You're so then you don't forget. You're funny that way. Well, that way I don't forget what you're saying because I might get distracted because I do get distracted. You distract, your beauty distracts me. We're having a conversation <laughs> and you just, you distract me with your beauty. So you could be doing anything, and I was like, what'd you say? No, I'm not just smooth talking. I'm serious. <laughs> no, right. but th- those are those are really good points to just say, so you mean, and then try to restate it. Or, well, can you say that another way? I don't get what you mean. Can you explain it to me so I understand? Well, for instance, honey, I just don't, I don't have any clothes to wear. Yeah, that's one of those things that needs to be interpreted most well, definitely. Honey, I was trying to that, have a conversation. I know. So... So a person could say, oh, my goodness, I need to do the laundry. Honey, just have the conversation with me. Just goes, Honey, I don't have anything to wear. You don't? Why not? It's all dirty. Oh, well, then we better do some laundry tonight. And you should have said, well, what do you mean by that? Okay, so here's the thing. One of the key points of this is that you need to allow the other person to answer whatever it is that um, they want, if they're, if you ask them to restate it, or is this what you're saying? You know, there's two possible answers. You could be completely off base or yes, you could have it right. So making sure that the person who stated it gets the opportunity to clarify. Or if you had said the same thing to me. What? Oh, honey, I ha- I don't have a thing to wear. I'm confused by that. What, what do you mean exactly? I mean... That I wanted to wear pink today, and I can't find anything in my closet that's pink that I feel like wearing. Is that what you thought I meant? No, because I was looking at your closet going, I know you got stuff to wear. I don't understand. Just put something on. You look good in everything. Yeah, so there's different ways of interpreting Absolutely. But we need to understand people. And ladies and gentlemen listening out there, when a woman speaks, she means one thing. And what a man hears, he usually hears something else. Because we put it through our filters. Yeah, so you got to take it off the filter and put it, just dry it off a little bit and go, what did you mean by this? So the principle of mirroring. You're just saying it back to them and, and asking. Mirroring can help test whether you are hearing your spouse properly. Once your spouse makes a point, repeat it to him or her. But make sure you repeat it and with trying to get some understanding out of it. So there's something like this. So what I hear you saying is, are you saying that, in other words, tell your spouse that what you're what you're hearing, and then, you know, you must tell your sport, spouse, what Martha said, either affirm or correct what you've said. The whole point is not, find, not to be right, not to defend yourself, but to know what you're hearing and that you're hearing it accurately. 
you know, it's kind of funny because sometimes you I could see this scenario playing out and, and me saying, so you mean X, Y, Z, and you actually go, no, that's not what I meant, but that might be a better way of approaching it. You know, sometimes we just have different slants on things. So being willing to have the conversation, because that's really what this is all about, is having good conversation and making sure that you actually know what each other's talking about. Yeah, it is. And boy, it is so important that, you know, if you if somebody says, hey, we need I need to talk about some stuff. First of all, that means that you violated the deal that you're not setting aside 15 minutes every day to have a conversation. No, it doesn't. No, it, it doesn't. Because it could be in the middle of the day. Well, but then it would be inappropriate if you've already got a scheduled time at nine o'clock. Do you have to talk about it in the middle of the day? No, I don't think that your scheduled time to talk necessarily needs to be your proper time to have the tough conversations. You think those always have to be the same? Well, I think otherwise, because if you tell me we need to talk about something, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> First of all, I figure out, what did I do wrong this time? Who called and complained about me? You know, what did you read about me on Facebook today? So it, I'm going to want to know right away, and but then it's going to affect my whole day. I'd rather hear about it at our pre-described time. Okay. Good to know. Here we are figuring this out right here live on the air. When is our 15-minute scheduled talking time a day? Typically, like the dinner time, since we have no one else there to talk to, we talk to each other. We're talking about the five principles of great communication. Uh, and just to recap them really, really quickly, the principle of first response. You'll probably have to go back to listen to the beginning of the show in order to be able to hear about that one. Prin- for the principle of first response, the principle of physical touch, the principle of proper timing, the principle of mirroring, and finally, the principle of prayer. Success in communication is more likely when we invite God to be an active participant and guide. Yeah. And, you know, this is just so powerful because whether you're in conflict and you're saying, you know what, we, we're not having any success resolving this, or even more importantly, every day, bringing your relationship to the Lord together in prayer and asking him to guide and direct so that you guys are on the same page as a couple or in your workplace or wherever this may be that you have um, a communication issues that you're praying about it. You know, one of the things we tell everybody, if you're going to, if you really want to improve your marriage, you need to set aside those 15 minutes every day and you need to pray together every day. You got to pray just to make it today. That's right. You do. MC Hammer said that 25 years ago. You got to pray just to make it today. He's got his parachute pants on too in that music video. Look that one up on YouTube. You got to pray just to make it today. That's really should be the theme for your marriage the rest of your life. We got to pray just to make it today. And, and if you could say it with a little beat, you got to pray just to make it today. That's right. That was really good. And was it good? <laughs> Probably not. All right. But it was a great talk about communication. And really, we ended the challenge with just, okay, set aside that time to be communicating with your spouses. And then we sent them off for a, a conversation over lunch with some tools, communication for dummies. And then we sent them, and also rules for effective communication. And we sent them away with a talking and also how to fight fairly. We've got some resources on that. So if any of that stuff is interesting to you, we can send it to you as well. And then we had a conversation, just lunchtime conversation, uh, on, on just learning about each other, talking about each other. All right, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him together on Tuesday with Jim and Martha Brangenberg. And our cruise recap will continue on next week. But we want to invite you to just take the challenges that we bring out here on the air seriously. You know, if you don't spend time communicating with your spouse each and every day, set it up today. Make it make it done today. Put it on your schedule today. 
And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're leading people at work, are you communicating with them on a daily basis? Because what are we going to do in order to take this city for Jesus Christ? we got to talk to them. You know, we learned today that our faith is definitely impacted by how we invest in our prayer life and in our communication life. And communication really impacts our relationships. It's so important that we take time to communicate. Like right now, I'm going to communicate my thanks to Ace Andrews. You did a great job today on the show. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in. That's communication. I really appreciate the fact that you're taking part every day on the show. You're making a big difference in our lives and, the, and you're helping keep the show on the air each and every day. We're always, let me communicate something else. We're always looking for more sponsors, people that are willing to help other ministries get highlighted here on the air, as well as uh, other businesses that really want to get out in front of a large Christian audience. We need to remember, there's an epic battle out there fighting to destroy marriages all across America. You and I, we can be at the front lines of that battle by praying with our spouses every day. You've been listening to the I Work For Him show with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him. Our souls are-